Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss alongside Ulysses Sombrano, and we're the host of the Locked On Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making Locked On Rays your first listen every day. And remember, Our podcast is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube at Locked on Rays. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked on Rays. And you can email us, LockedOnRays at gmail.com. As a reminder, if you're interested in being a one-time guest co-host or simply want to support what we're doing with the Locked on Rays podcast, Check out the website, buymeacoffee.com slash raise unfiltered. That's buymeacoffee.com slash raise unfiltered. I'll also put the link in the podcast description. Okay, today, hey, that's uh, Stu Sternberg calling me. What the heck is going on? Stu Sternberg already calling me this early in the episode. He usually does it in the middle of the episode. It's kind of crazy. Anyway, I won't let Stu ruin. Uh, the moment here uh, as we will continue our lengthy conversation with former pro ball player Cody Decker. Uh, This is part two of a four-part interview with him. In this particular episode, he discusses what it's like to face elite major league pitching, his approach in the batter's box, why he wasn't given a fair shake in the major leagues, mental health issues within baseball, and much, much more. Without further ado, here's more of Cody Decker. I, I want to dissect, though, on the on the Bumgarner. Um, you say you remember th- that Every pitch. single pitch. Every okay. moment, okay. every mindset, everything. I remember everything so, about that at bat. So before you, you give us a play-by-play of how that at bat went, I want you to, to tell me, they, they give you the, the, the news, hey, grab a bat. What do you do in that moment? Do you go, crap, where's the iPad? Video room. No, I, I'd been, I've just... luckily been watching the game, and I know okay. what he has. And I've faced Madison Bumgarner at this point many times, and I've had some actually decent success off of him. Spring training games and minor leagues. Mm-hmm. Madison Bumgarner's a hell of a pitcher. He just is. And he's a very difficult pitcher. And even when his velocity's down, he's a difficult pitcher to face because of his arm angle, how far he throws across his body, how far he steps across his body. It's almost like you're getting a pitch from the second baseman. It's a very tough angle to hit. Um, luckily, I'm pretty good against lefties. Um, so I've always actually had success. But he is very, very good. And his fastball, his, the perception of the speed of his fastball is different than the actual velocity because of the spin rate, and especially back then when he was with the San Francisco Giants. Um, so my first pitch, you know, I'm up there. Bumgarner's just tanging guys left and right, getting outs. It's the eighth inning, and... I go in there, and I remember the first pitch was a ball, and I'm like, okay, let's get on time with this fastball. Get ready for the fastball. Fastball. Ball. Okay. 2-0. Might not give you a fastball. Let's get ready for this fastball. Fastball. Ball. So I got a 3-0 count. Again, I haven't had a bat in over a week, and I'm just sitting there like, okay, 3-0 count. Well, still, I'm still technically a rookie, even though I'm like three years older than Madison. Um, <laughs> I can't swing 3-0 right now in the eighth inning of a no-hitter. Uh, I just can't. He's going to throw me a fastball right down the middle, and I, I'm not allowed to swing at it. Fastball right down the middle. I just stand step out. <laughs> I will never see that pitch again! <laughs> yeah. How do you... Uh, 
the oh, I was just the goal. Like, oh, I hate I hate unwritten rules. This is so stupid. Uh, yes. Um, next pitch. Uh, you know, I probably wouldn't have swung anyways, to be honest with you. But it's the fact that I wasn't allowed to that just drives me nuts. Um, and then it's three one. Throws me another fastball. I was a little late because a part of me, and this is something that I never do ever, and this is why this bat sticks in my head. You, I never get off the fastball. I never think about a single pitch but a fastball. Period. 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 I can adjust your off-speed pitches. You throw me a fastball while I'm sitting off-speed, I'm screwed. I have no chance in hell of ever catching up. Everybody throws 95 plus. You have any idea how hard it is to hit that speed? Uh, and so when you got that and you're sitting there and all of a sudden it's three one. I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, he does have that slider, and he does know me, so. Maybe he will flip me that slider, but stay on the fastball. But I was a li- just that thought, just that one thought got me off the fastball just enough to where he throws me a fastball middle away. I foul it off as opposed to, I'm like, that ball should have been hit. All right, 3-2. And I'm at this point, and this is where I lost sleep over this at bat. I never get off the fastball. My thought at the box was, Thinking, I was thinking, like, how do you pinch hit? Like, I like you look for pitches. And, you know, Mark Kotze was trying to help me, but he wasn't really much of a pinch hitter in his career as much as he was just a good ball player. Mm-hmm. Um, so pinch hitting, especially at the big league level, is tricky. So I'm sitting here trying to dissect and analyze what this guy's going to do as opposed to just having my at-bat and focusing on my at-bat. I'm thinking, okay, 3-2, he's throwing me five fastballs. There's no way in hell he's not throwing me a fast. Uh, he's not throwing me a breaking ball. Get ready for this slider. He's going to flip me a slider. Fastball. Foul tipped it into the glove. Strike three. I have thought about that at bat so much over the years. Just because it's the only at bat in my career I got off the fastball. On a fast, a very hittable fastball that I know of for a fact I could have absolutely destroyed. But I got on the off-speed pitch because I overthought the game. I, I don't know why I was giving hit pitchers in the big leagues so much credit. Like, I know Madison Bumgarner is an amazing pitcher. I know what he can do. Why am I giving all this credit that he's a different guy all of a sudden? I faced him a month ago in AAA. Like, it's not the, he's not a different guy. Yeah. And I just decided to go about it differently because I was getting a lot of information. Hey, pinch hitting, got to do this, this, and this, and this. So I'm just, it was a lot of cooks in the kitchen for every single at bat, and it became difficult. And it was just, I didn't get very many opportunities, so I never got to get into a flow. And that sounds like an excuse, but... It might be. There might be a little bit of an excuse in there. But honestly, it was tricky to go do a role in the big leagues that you've never done. Um, I had some amazing coaches that were there. I mean, Dave Roberts was my bench coach. Dave Roberts, who I've known for a long time, just unbelievable human being. Mark Kotze, now the manager of the A's. He was our hitting coach. And God, I couldn't love Mark Kotze more if I tried. You know, I was I was a very spoiled guy um, uh, in this game. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, but maybe even better than a candy bar, believe it or not. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, I'm here to tell you, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, and most Built Bars contain 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, just 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. What's also great is, man, there is so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, 
The list goes on and on. We know you want some Built Bar. So what you got to do is you go to Built.com. That's Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D, the numerals 1-5, and that'll get you 15% off your order. Again, go to Built.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Uh, Cody, how much more of an opportunity do you think you would have needed to prove yourself at the big league level? Like it, it just does. It just seems like you didn't really get a fair shake during your career. And you had, I mean, your, your minor league career is decorated with the, the home runs, the RBIs, the OPS, all that stuff is great. Like what kind of career do you think you could have if it was like, Hey, give me 200 at bats, 300 at bats. Give me a full season of, of opportunities here. In my opinion, Mm-hmm. I'd still be there. <laughs> I'd still be playing. Yeah, uh, that's my opinion. I, hell, I'm in better shape right now than I was two years ago when I retired. Um, no, it's just um, I, I think I would have played a long time. I don't think I would have. They would have had to rip the jersey off me. And the reason why they I decided to hang them up when I did was because they kind of already did. I was I was at the point where I was in AAA and was playing for the Diamondbacks. And by the way, you want a wonderful organization, the Diamondbacks. What a, what a, what an incredible incredible organization they are um but the d-backs you know they were very upfront with me like and when i say upfront with me i mean exceedingly upfront with me which in a career like baseball even though it sucked to hear it it was very refreshing to be told hey no matter what you do we're probably not going to call you up mm-hmm. and this was my second year with them what, me signing with them while I'm sitting there getting ready to sign the contract. They flew me in to sign the contract. It was a very odd thing. I, this has never happened. The off season comes. I played with them in 2018. They call me, say, hey, we want you to come back. Would you like to sign back? Said, yes. He's like, we'd be a little pay bomb. We need to fly into Arizona to sign the contract, which I'm like, why? <laughs> like I just email it to me and I'll sign it. They're like, no, no, we're going to fly in. And uh, I'm like, wow, this is a big deal. And then we're going to fly out. I'm like, you're going to fly me in Southwest airlines to sign the con and you're just gonna fly me back to okay uh, sure <laughs> all right i'll do that so that's what i did but i remember sitting down signing that and they said we want to talk to you also i said okay so i was wondering what they were doing. i thought they were maybe going to talk to me about you know big league invite or if they wanted to start moving me into a manager job because they've been taught and you know i've been offered a lot of manager jobs at that point and people have been trying to get me out off the field but they were still very willing to let me keep playing because i kept putting up, i put up numbers yeah. Um, they just basically said, listen, no matter what, they're, we're, you're not going to get to the big leagues here this year. Like, I don't think there's a possibility. I said, really? And I'm like, pen to paper. I'm like, well, what, are we, what am I doing? Like, we, we, well, we, we need you to let, mentor our guys. We need you to crash Davis this. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. Yeah. I said, well, are you, like, they, I, I liked the pay bump. So I was just like, listen, if I sign – will you guys help me find a different job in the big leagues? He's like, if anyone calls you and gives you a better, a better offer to go play there, we will make sure. And my contract was guaranteed. So that was a good, they, they were, they were, they took care of me. They gave me a guaranteed contract. Um, they, they said they were going to try and find me a spot elsewhere if something came up. And the big thing was, and they were going to help me try to sell me to Japan. That was the big thing. I wanted to go play in Japan or Korea. And uh, they were going to help try and help with that. But there is a massive caveat to that. It requires at bats. Um, if I'm not playing every day, they're not going to they're not going to get me. And unfortunately, I was not playing every day. And they also said there's a possibility we're not going to be able to get you the at bats. And I understood that going in. 
And I appreciate the honesty. And it came to the point where I wasn't getting the at-bats. You know, it came to the point where I was getting put on the phantom DL with injuries I didn't have. And I'm just like, listen, I'm 32. I got 24-year-old teammates calling me pops. Um, (laughs) You know, I have a home ring once every seven at-bats. But it it seems to be nothing I can do. So I had an offer to get into radio, get into TV. Uh, I had another offer to uh, take over a baseball and softball nonprofit in the city that I really loved, which was El Paso, Texas, uh, where I played AAA for the Padres for a couple of years. And I kind of fell in love with that city. And, um, you know, I just felt like it was time. I just there's there's no way there's nothing. Every one of my goals I can't accomplish. It wasn't that I wasn't capable. It was just it wasn't possible, sadly, anymore. I couldn't get to the big leagues because I wasn't going to be at bats and I couldn't get to um, Japan or Asia because I wasn't going to get the at bats. So I decided to hang them up and it was a, I think it was the right time. I have had offers to go back and play and I have turned them down and cause I quite frankly don't need any more three A home runs. <laughs> Uh, taking all those clubs you were a part of um, and, and the ones you haven't mentioned yet, uh, what was one thing that you absolutely loved that that one organization did for their players that maybe other ones didn't do? Red Sox first and then the Diamondbacks, and that was taking care of their players' mental health. Um, okay. Massive, massive um, – they, they care about it a lot. And they were the only two organizations that I played for that even mentioned mental health, um, wow. especially the Red Sox. The Red Sox had many um, mental prep coaches, therapists. And when I went to the Red Sox, I was in a personally a very, very bad place. Um, you know, I just I got into the big leagues. I became a free agent, signed with the Royals, told I made the team, then told I didn't. They last second, I f- flew to Kansas City with the team, had to get in my car and drive to Omaha uh, I'm there. They tell me, Hey, we got a prospect here that needs to play. So we kind of messed up and we're going to try and trade you. They mm-hmm. trade me to Colorado two weeks into the season, play for Colorado in AAA in Albuquerque. I played 14 games. Uh, Danny Descalso gets not hurt anymore. They send down, God, I can't remember which player they sent down. They sent down a first baseman. Mm-hmm. I'm released. I'm out of job. I went from big leagues to, making another team that I was really excited to make to going down to AAA to getting traded where I had to pack up all my, this apartment that I just got and move to Albuquerque, get an apartment there all while playing games released, move my stuff back to Los Angeles. It was a crazy whirlwind three weeks, like four weeks. And I'm like, whatever, I'll just get picked up. A month and a half goes by. No one will pick me up because getting released in like May 1st, is like the worst time you could ever be released in baseball. There are no jobs available. Mm-hmm. Um, then finally, the end of June comes around and Casey Jansen was a free agent and I was a free agent and we're both sitting there training every day at UCLA and we both were talking to the Red Sox and the scout came to watch us both work out. I was catching them and then I was hitting and they signed us both. And um, while I was there, I was just playing. I was frightened at all times. Like I wouldn't say it out loud and my teammates wouldn't know, but me personally, every second on that field, I was terrified. Like my hand, I couldn't stop my hand shaking. I didn't understand what was wrong with me. I thought I was just having like a mental breakdown. I would walk into the batter's box and my right hand wouldn't stop shaking. And I couldn't get to the bottom of it. Um, I thought maybe I had a neurological issue. I thought, and it was honestly, it was just 
I was terrified of striking out every single at bat because I was terrified of losing my job. Yeah. I was truly terrified after every at bat. I'm like, I'm going to get fired and it's over. Like if I get released again, it's done. I, so I couldn't play. I was playing. I ended up playing. Okay. I hit 20 homers that year. I had 300 at bats total. I had, you know, but I hit two, like 45. I K'd a ton. Uh, I just wasn't, I wasn't me. And I, I knew it. And I remember at, right when the season ended, I remember that last bus ride. I'm just sitting there looking out the window going like, this was not, this last two months was not how I played baseball. I don't know who this guy was. And the Red Sox recognized it like almost three weeks in. They recognized it. The manager called me and he's like, hey, I want you to know you're, you're not going anywhere. You are here for the rest of the year. I said, thank you. I actually needed to hear that. I actually started to tear up. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Sent in a mental strength, a mental coach, therapist, started talking with them, and they were extremely helpful. It wasn't that what the, the therapists or the mental coaches were amazing. They were, they were very good, but it was just, it was more what mattered to me was that they actually cared. And that was something I wasn't used to. I had never played for an organization that honestly cared about what I felt or thought. Um, and that's not a knock on the Padres or the Royals or Rockies, um, although it's fine if you want to make it a knock on the Rockies. They suck. Um, but I think the uh, Red Sox, they truly cared about their players, um, all the way down to how they were taking care of meals from the minor. Like we had – they took care of their meals. They took care of their travel a little bit better. It was – they really cared about their players. And at that point, I really hadn't experienced that. Um, and I was very thankful to that, so much so that I really, really wanted to sign back. And I had a really good offer to go back there. And uh, somebody else talked me out of it, which I still haven't forgiven him for. Um, but uh, Pat Murphy convinced me to sign with the Brewers, even though it was half the money and I didn't want to go. Um, <laughs> and they ended up releasing me in spring training. I signed up with the Mets. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just uh, it, was, it was crazy how great they were. And when I got to the Diamondbacks, a lot of those Red Sox people, you know, Hazen now with the, the mm-hmm. Diamondbacks, they brought that over and they had the same thing so much. That they had a full department for it. And who was the head of that department? Daniel Bard, who is now the closer for the Colorado Rockies. Oh. He had retired and he was the head of the thing. He was wow. you know, going through mental sessions with everybody in the morning. He was basically a therapist. He was retired. We, I remember we were sitting there. I'm there with him. We, we, we were at the Mets the year to, uh, together the year before. And we're just sitting there like, God, so now I'm going to sit here and you're going to mental coach me. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, this is awesome. And then two years later, he's back in the big leagues. It's awesome. God, I love Daniel Bard. If, if, yeah. if you guys don't uh, love Daniel Bard, there's something wrong with you. Bet Online has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the College Bowl season and pro football playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Be sure to head over to their website and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to receive that bonus. Bet online, of course, it is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online, it's where the game starts why do the rockies suck from your vantage point uh i just didn't i didn't like their organization i didn't like how they treated me and i had some conversations that i um to this day um really piss me off 
Mm. Um, and quite frankly, if mm, personal, it's personal. How about that? Okay. It's personal and it, no, I'm just gonna leave it at that. It's personal. Understood. So they don't. I, I normally am an open book, but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna leave. I'm not, this is the one thing I'm gonna have to leave out. Okay. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and as far as the mental health thing goes, is that something that gets discussed in the clubhouse at all? Or is there still a lot of stigma surrounding that or kind of what's your take on that? I, I don't know how many players are dealing with some sort of mental health issue, all of them, but they're afraid to talk about it. Um, I would say it's, if not all of them, most of them um, okay. there, I don't think I've met a single player who doesn't have imposter syndrome or at least a version of imposter syndrome. There's not a single guy that they all know they belong there, but there's a part mm-hmm. of them that doesn't think they belong there. And uh, that's every single player. I think that's probably every athlete. Honest to God, the, the ones that don't have that imposter syndrome are the actual crazy people. Uh, it's the, uh, those are the sociopaths of the game who <laughs> truly think no matter what they are God's gift to earth and no, it's a game and you're just very talented at the game. Um, I think the mental health aspect is something that's been brought to the forefront over the last few years. And I think a lot of people have been brave enough to bring it out. But the thing is, it takes one person to say it and four other guys feel like, yeah, me too. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, As recently as when I was in college, you know, it was are we allowed to curse on this? Yeah. Yeah. You know, even as recently as when I was in college, it was all about, hey, don't be a pussy. That's, that's athlete athletics. Don't be, don't be a bitch. You gotta be tough. You gotta be strong. Yeah. To a degree. But at the end of the day, we are still people and that's no athlete, no matter what type of mental training you put yourself through, you know, there are a lot of stresses, especially when you're playing at the highest levels. And if you're a minor leaguer, especially because there's a, there's a, a pay gap issue that involved that's involved. And, uh, yeah, it's it's. I think it's been talked about a lot more, but yeah, I think a lot of guys are still scared to talk about it. I mean, even even my last year at the Padres, I was still not open, okay to talk about my personal feelings with anybody. Um, it felt, um, I don't know, I felt like I, it wasn't worth one worth somebody's time to deal with, and I could deal with it myself because I'd been dealing with myself all that for all these years. I don't know. It, it's a weird stigma. It's a weird thing. There's a lot of ego. There's a lot mm-hmm. of. I mean, I don't need to tell you how much ego is in professional sports. There's a lot right. of ego. There's a lot of um, pride. And, you know, guys pride themselves on being the toughest and the mentally toughest. They don't want to seem like – I was watching uh, – I, I, I haven't – you know, if, you have, if you're a DVD fan, uh, I had, a, the, of course, the DVD for Predator. Now, I had about like 4,000 DVDs. I still do. They're in a bunch of DVDs wow. over here to my left. I, I'm a movie junkie. I went to film school. Uh but the, there's a Predator DVD uh, where there's an interview with uh, Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers, of course, Paulo Creed, former NFL player, Raiders, Raider Nation, oh. go Raiders. Um, he uh, he talks about this group of guys. And in this movie, if you ever see Predator, it's about every who's who of tough guy in movies at the time. You know, it's Carl Weathers, who is an ex-NFL player. And Jack to the gills. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger, a former bodybuilder, and is Jack to the gills. It's uh, Jesse the Body Ventura, former pro wrestler, and at this point still Jack to the gills. Uh, uh, is it Bill Duke? I think it's Bill Duke, uh, actor who yeah. you've seen in a ton of stuff, but he's an ex-Green Beret. And it's just everybody is tough in this movie in real life. So Carl Weathers talked about... He would wake up at like 4 a.m., go run two miles and lift a ton before he'd even show up to set 
so he could look bigger than other guys. So when they could say, I'm like, man, did you lift this morning? He'd be like, no, no, this is all natural. And I'm like, God, mm-hmm. just the ego on a movie set, that's every clubhouse you'll ever see. There's five conversations just like that always taking place. Guys trying to out-ego the other one. And that's just kind of a, a, sometimes the fun of a clubhouse. But sometimes that type of machismo activity could lead to, you know, not being comfortable enough or, you know, able to express when you're really struggling because, well, these guys aren't struggling. What, what, what's wrong with me? Well, they are struggling. They're just hiding it a little better than you. Okay. That's part two of our conversation with Cody Decker. Part three and part four will run later on this week. Thank you for making the Lockdown Race podcast your first listen every day. Now make your second listen the Locked On Bets podcast. That is also free and available on all platforms. Hope you all have a wonderful day, and we will talk to you tomorrow.